Peace be with you. I love a good story, don't you? A good story has a way of drawing you in and taking hold of you and keeping you until it's ready to let you go. A great story will stick with you long after it is told. And it will take on new life inside of you. Storytelling is an art. For great storytellers, the story itself is only a vehicle for what they are really hoping to communicate. If they have been successful, the story will not be forgotten. You'll try to remember it and tell it again. And hopefully, the message will get through even if the details change a little bit. Today is the first Sunday of Christmastide, a 12-day season that will take us from Christmas Day until Epiphany, when the wise people will visit Jesus and present him with gifts. But before we get ahead of ourselves, we need to follow the story as the lectionary has laid it out for us. Today's gospel lesson presents a series of movements, dreams, places, and characters that all help set the stage for who the child Jesus is and is to become. I don't want to get too technical with details, but I think some of them are instructive. This reading comes from the second chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. The first chapter is made up primarily of the genealogy of Joseph, the son of, son of, son of, that we skip over. Followed by Joseph deciding not to divorce Mary, thanks to a visit from an angel, and then Jesus is born. Chapter 2, we find ourselves here today following the visit of the wise men. We'll come back to them in a couple of weeks. But in today's lesson, Jesus is probably two to four years old, not yet in kindergarten. The next chapter of Matthew will skip ahead to Jesus' baptism and the start of his ministry when scholars think that Jesus was about 30 years old. And then the next 26 chapters of the Gospel of Matthew will cover less than three years of time. The whole of what the author of the Gospel of Matthew wants to introduce to his hearers, his readers, about Jesus before his ministry begins is found in the first two chapters, about half of which is a genealogy and a story about the wise people's journey to Jesus. All that is to say that if we believe that introductions are important, and I do, then we must believe that there is a lot the author is hoping to communicate and these 11 verses as a means of introducing us to Jesus. The author seeks to connect Jesus to the Jewish story in significant ways. Joseph, the father of Jesus, named for another famous Joseph in the Bible, the one who was the favorite of his father, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, Jacob, whose name would later be changed by God to Israel. Joseph, the dreamer. 
Joseph, who was thrown into a well and then sold into slavery and taken to Egypt. Joseph, who would dream dreams and interpret dreams and eventually call his father Israel and all of his children into Egypt to live. For the father of Jesus to bear the name of Joseph carries a lot of weight at the outset. When Matthew tells of Joseph having dreams, immediately all of the first century Jewish hearers of this story would think of that other Joseph and his dreams. Sometimes, though, a storyteller will think that mere illusion is not enough. Sometimes a storyteller will need to lay it on really thick just to be sure the point makes. In Joseph's dreams, he is told to flee to Egypt to avoid death. Now, Joseph is firmly connected to that other Joseph. But the connection of Jesus to the story of the Jews does not stop there. Young children are killed in Bethlehem, calling to mind Exodus chapter 1 with the new king over Egypt calling for all newborn males who are Israelite to be cast into the Nile. And then one more time, Joseph has a dream. The angel of the Lord calls on Joseph to get up and lead his family out of Egypt to the land of Israel. Of course, you don't need to be reminded that another significant character in the Old Testament once had an encounter where he was told to lead the people of God out of Egypt to what would become the land of Israel. You don't need reminding, and neither did the people for whom the story was originally written. For an introduction, I think Matthew succeeds. I think he has successfully crafted the early days of Jesus in such a way that first century Jews or anyone familiar with the story of the Jews will be interested to hear more about this child, Jesus. Those first century hearers, they would also have remembered Herod. They would likely have heard of the killing of children in Bethlehem. They may have heard of the visit of the wise people and their deception of Herod. They would have known about Archelaus, and why that would have led Joseph to immediately correct his course and settle in Nazareth. And they would have known that nothing good can come from Nazareth. This is the world into which Jesus was born. At the outset, his earthly father, father is dreaming dreams that take him and his family on a long journey to Egypt and back to avoid Jesus being killed. He is born to an ordinary man and woman who have extraordinary faith. He is born to a craftsman. He's born in a small town, forced to flee, then eventually settles in another small town. In some ways, all of this story of Jesus seems so foreign. In 21st century America, babies are not often born in such circumstances. We rarely hear a story about a father having a dream in the middle of the night that leads him to take his wife and newborn child to another country. And not just because you have to get a passport first. But in other ways, 
If we change a few details of this story, it could very well fit in today's world. Jesus is born into a family of little means. Their wealth is so small they cannot afford to get to the hospital on time. So they go to the bathroom of their cousin's apartment, and there a child is born. The noise of the birth causes enough commotion that someone reports the noise. The family, exhausted, decides they need to go somewhere else for fear that Child Protective Services might come and take away the child. This is a scene I can't imagine. And while I want for the scene about Herod killing the babies to be too far away, it comes close too. Just last night in New York City, a man broke into the home of a rabbi who was hosting a small celebration of Hanukkah, that great festival commemorating the rededication of the Second Temple in Jerusalem. The man who entered the home of the rabbi attacked those gathered, leaving five seriously wounded. It seems that he was intent on killing them because they were Jews. That attack, along with several others against Jews in New York City in the last week, make this part of the story all too relatable, a little too close for comfort. We certainly don't have to use our imaginations to imagine a family that might not want to return to their home for fear of the ruling party, for just a few months ago when Canton, Forrest, Morton, and beyond the U.S. government arrested 680 people who were at their place of employment, making these places ones that a small family might not feel comfortable returning to. And who is this Jesus? Born to Mary and Joseph all those years ago, this Jesus whose birth we celebrate on Christmas, the next 26 chapters of Matthew will reveal to us, but I'll give you a preview. This Jesus, this Jesus, as the Hebrew lesson tells us today, is God with us. God, the creator of everything, from the dirt beneath our feet to the sand beneath the ocean, creator of the stars and the sky, so far away we cannot even comprehend the distance to them to the air that we breathe in each day that provides life in ways that are so normal to us that we fail to recognize the miracle of each breath. The creator of the little bitty tiny animals like ants and gnats and mosquitoes, to big animals like elephants and rhinos and even the sea monsters. This God, who creates all of these things, becomes a human. This God joins the humans which were also among the, the things created. This is Jesus. This is the baby, the child whom we celebrate. Jesus, from his birth, comes to know what it means to face adversity, to be snatched from the jaws of oppression that he might have opportunity to achieve that which was he was created to achieve. This Jesus will go on to be baptized by a strange man in the wilderness. He will be tempted by the devil. 
He will call disciples. He will gather followers and teach them on a mountainside. He will cleanse lepers. He will heal Jews and Gentiles. He will befriend men and women. He will dine with sinners and tax collectors. He will cast out demons. He will give sight to the blind. He will be a man of God in the midst of the people of God. He will understand the scriptures of God and find ways to live them out creatively and beautifully. He will challenge the government of his day. He will push the religious elite, the pastors, to be better. He will boil down all the words of scripture that we know as the Old Testament into a pair of statements. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He will then push everyone who nods approvingly to expand their understanding of what it means to be neighbor. Jesus will also push the authorities of the day to the point that they will kill him. He will be buried in a tomb, and then three days later, he will raise from the grave, triumphant over death. In all of this that Jesus will do, he will do it as a human. He will have flesh like mine, though his would not have been colored like mine unless he was the first white man to be born in the Middle East. He will have hair, also not like mine. <laughs> he will have blood running through his veins. He will have lungs that need the air just like mine and yours. And he will have feelings and emotions. He will laugh and hope and play and tell jokes and stories. And he will cry. He will feel pain and lament. He will feel hunger and thirst. He will get tired and need sleep. And he will think that there is no way that he can make it through this day. He will be ready to give up. But he won't. He doesn't. He didn't. This Jesus, whom we celebrate, was one of us. This Jesus, whom we celebrate, came to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. And he came to be with us then. Because he came to be with us then, we know that he is with us now. And because he is with us now, we know that when we reach the point where we feel like we aren't going to be able to make it through this day, we are not alone, for God is with us. As we come.